Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. Hold open questions. Questions. What are they? Great example by me. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines a question as a sentence worded or expressed as to elicit information. Mm, that's a good start to your college essay. I hope you pass. Yeah. In this essay, I will. <laughs> we're going to answer some questions today. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't done this in a while, and we're at sort of a, a fun stopping point where we uh, have talked about a lot of modern UFO stuff, and we're going to move on. But and we first, finished season one of Ancient Aliens. And we finished season one of Ancient Aliens. So we're going to just take a a little breather this week by doing some Q&A. These are questions that people asked us on uh, probsnotaliens.com. There's a little form you can send us. By the way, this show is called Probs Not Aliens. This is a podcast where we talk about ancient astronaut theory and even like modern UFO stuff. We did that whole news episode last time a couple times ago about the balloons mm-hmm. and uh we look into stuff we debunk stuff and we try to try to do our best to learn about really cool uh people and places and things from the past the present the future not that really but uh my name is scott nice i know nothing except for some of the questions that people are going to ask us today i also know this is probably one of our shortest intros that we've yeah. ever done yeah this is actually like we're taking our average down. I don't actually, I don't know if I like this. Um, <laughs> is there, there was a bad Marvel <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> That's what you want to talk about? No, there no, was no. A, Ant-Man made him another, they made a third Ant-Man. Can you believe they, they it? More Who of those. It keeps, they keep making those. Um, my name's Tristan. I am typically the one who goes into a hole and comes out with information. But today, uh, uh, that's that's not that's not the case. We are well. We are going into a hole, and the hole is called Google Sheets. Sheets.google.com. Mm, love me some Google. We have a lot of uh, questions that people like you have asked us. We have a lot. We're not going to get to all of them, so please keep sending them in and let us know if you like these episodes. I have a. A couple fun ones to to start off with. People, first of all, people demand to know which one of us is the alien. Ooh. Because obviously we are aliens who are trying to spread misinformation. Disinformation? What's the difference between misinformation and disinformation? Is I think one of the misinformation, yeah, misinformation is you're making a mistake and disinformation is you are intentionally putting wrong information out there to muddy things. Gotcha. So that's probably why I'm the alien. Uh, I feel like, yeah, this was asked the, so this, that question specifically 
was asked by an anonymous person. So I don't even know who's who's calling us out. Which I would one call of us myself. I would definitely say that I'm the alien because I do speak as if I only have a vague understanding of pop culture. And that is true. You are like a person who is who has like heard about movies yeah. from someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And you're like, yes, I know that one. I, I I definitely, I talk about pop culture as if I took a university course on human culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so let's, let, I want to dive into a really juicy question right out, right out of the gate. I mean, obviously we did a jokey one right now, but we have a couple, a couple people have asked this, this same sentiment. We have uh, Santiago asked... Uh, Tristan, what are some places you frequent for research of these insane topics? By the way, I'm a Peruvian fan and hearing you talk about Nazca and Monteserpe. Did I say that right? Uh, Montesierpe. The sort of Sierpe. in Spanish, the vowels don't blend like that like they do in English. So Sierpe. Gotcha. Well, they say it's the coolest. And similarly, we have a question from Kyle who asks, I'd love to do what you guys do, but for other subjects like ghosts and cryptids, and whatnot, but I don't know how to research. I often end up lost or overwhelmed on the internet trying to find reliable sources. So my questions, there are three of them, sorry, uh, you don't have to apologize, are how do you guys do research? How do you know what sources to trust? I think that's a really big question. And if it's just Googling, how do I ask Google the right questions to get the important info? Thank you for your time. So two questions sort of in the similar vein of like, how how do you go about research? You are the person on the podcast that does most of the research. I've done like two or three episodes here and there, but like how what's your process? How do you approach things? Okay, so I'm going to say this is this is a process that I have done, you know, many times for videos, for research in the times. So uh, in some ways, there's there's going to be a frustrating answer, and then there's going to be some useful stuff. The frustrating one is it's a mix of Googling library books and uh, searching for uh, specific things, uh, because when you've done this enough, you get a sort of feel for where you can find good information. I'll say one that's real spicy to start, though, which is that uh, the start of many a great episode of this podcast is on the free range open source encyclopedia site, Wikipedia, because mm-hmm. um, I will I'll grandstand here and say that because um, I've done I, I did a big chunk of my PhD research uh, studying Wikipedia as a primary source. I was studying Wikipedia edit histories mm-hmm. having to do with 9-11 and everything like that. Weird, weird topic. Uh, but besides the point, uh, but I always feel sheepish about pointing out that that's the place where I usually start my research because it has this uh, this scar that comes from the fact that a lot of universities, without really understanding how it works and how it functions, went scorched earth on the concept of it and basically treat uh, citing it or even looking at it like it is some sort of academic crime. And mm-hmm. that is a, a great disservice to the uh, to the site. Like it could have been that like maybe like 15, 20 years ago when people were first starting to use it, that it was like 
more sketchy, but today uh, most major articles have like dedicated volunteers, many of them who are experts in the field, like with permanent dedication to updating and keeping things uh, both neutral and well-researched. And if you find a decent quality Wikipedia article, and actually I can like, uh, let me see if I can uh, give you an example, like the 2023 Chinese balloon incident, I started there because like people were following the news and uh, hung on to a lot of things. But Mm -hmm. uh, you can actually like many articles have depending on how controversial the topic is or how uh, how like developed the article is, have badges showing different levels of quality and different levels of lockdown. Like if you want, like people see, like from a cursory glance, people might seem to think that the site is like, you know, you can just edit anything and put anything in there. I know, because I actually did a semi-famous piece of Wikipedia vandalism. Um, that's a, that's a <laughs> story for another time. But um, Oh, goodness. But I, uh, but like there's, a uh like for example evolution or uh or abortion or uh, topics like that have uh, a whole system for if you want to make edits to it that are that is very locked down <laughs> and they have like yes. there has to be like massive like huge overwhelming consensus before an uh, an edit can be approved and everything like that and it's all done through uh dedicated volunteer work which i think is really good but anyways that is usually a starting place because what you usually yeah. get on any wikipedia article about a topic is a very good high-level analysis of what's going on, followed by a references section that is full of usually some of the most uh, solid, over overarching sources on the topic. And typically, I start by reading that to brush myself up on the subject, and then going to the references and finding books or articles or whatnot that look like they are um, they're going to be useful. And then I get mm-hmm. those through either my library or other websites for legal reasons I would not like to say on a public facing <laughs> platform. And uh-huh. I, I get a hold of them and, and read them and or at least read them as much as I can in like a couple days. But I, I, I go through that that process. And typically the things that I use to evaluate is I look for things from academic presses. I look for things that are from authors that I recognize as being high quality people or sources that come from websites that I know have an investment in their reputation of being good and factual. Like, I know that, you know, we can talk a lot of crap about um, the status of media, for example, but I do know that if I read an article from the New York Times that if the if New York Times prints something that is factually wrong in a very big way, that would be a huge deal to their reputation. So I know that I try to look for higher quality uh, sites yeah. like that that I know have a, uh, a reputation for if not, like, you know, you can talk a lot about, you know, the New York Times where it's like, you know, terrible editorial positions. Like I was about to yeah. say, yeah, because um, they did have recently their yeah, being yeah. like, actually, J.K. Rowling is, has good points and everyone should be nicer to her. Yeah, we should. Um, first of all, the New York Times editorial section is its own thing and it's awful. But uh, I think that um, there we need you need to when it comes to dealing with journalistic sources and newspapers and stuff like that, you need to be cognizant of the difference between um, opinion and reporting and mm-hmm. even, you know, your most, I hesitate to say for Fox because Fox is its own weird beast. Uh, but mm-hmm. for a lot of what you would call mainstream media sources, the journalists who are on the ground reporting on the things, they are uh, typically some of the best in their business doing their best with the sort of situation that they are in. But that's like, that's the main thing that I go through is I try to find books that 
either from academic presses or by authors that I know have a high quality thing. Um, or sometimes uh, when I'm looking up cranks, I have to read a cranks book. I have now yep. a shelf on my bookshelf now that is crank <laughs> books. <laughs> Um, That's amazing. That uh, that I that I have to go through. And as a historian uh, by trade, I also know that you can read sources that have spins and positions that I know are wrong, but you can sort of read through the filter they're going on and try to find or glimpse pieces of the actual information that they're basing things off of, which means reading mm-hmm. from different positions and things like that. But if you want to do a very quick overview of a subject, like, you know, learning to become an expert on a topic for say a uh, hour long podcast in two or three days, a good place mm-hmm. to start is go to Wikipedia, look at the most relevant articles on the subject, brush up on those to get yourself a base familiarity with what you're talking about. Then go down to the references section and see what the major uh, titles are that inform it because those are the titles chosen by a bunch of people who are looking for things that are high quality and uh, neutral in their positions. And then just go and get those. And uh, if they reference other books that look like they would be interesting for the subject at hand, go check those out. But for the most part, if you're doing something that is short enough, that is a pretty good place to get your feet wet enough to do a podcast episode, for example. Now, if you wanted, if you had more time and you wanted Uh uh, uh to do something a little bit more nuanced, then you would probably be wanting to map out the field, looking for uh, the major authors. If you were trying to do a more journalistic piece, you might try to line up interviews with people who know what they're talking about. But that is all a sliding scale based on how much time you have, how much resources you have and and, and such. Yeah. And like to just to because this this also just equally applies to not just this podcast, but you and I both have YouTube channels that are uh, as researched as we can get them to be sometimes overly so uh, like in, in my case, I'll I feel like I spend way too much of my video researching and going into context and and things like that. But um, yeah, I would similarly say you can absolutely start on Wikipedia, but my goal usually is to, whenever there's like a little source, a little citation, be like, well, what is that? And then look into that a little bit further and see see if there's a full article or a full book or something to, to read and, and research on. And I mean, for this podcast specifically, like you and I, sometimes when we have a topic that we don't necessarily that I mean we're very much not experts on most of the stuff that we talk about if anything uh, but we have brought on people who are experts in in their field which definitely helps out a lot whether it's physics or religion or just history in general and so that is very very helpful for us um, talking to experts and I do that I mean and we both have done that for our YouTube channels too like I made a video about comic book lettering and I talked to an actual professional comic book letterer to get his opinion on things and and you're you've made videos and are currently making videos about talking to uh, experts and and figures and i don't want to say who if you don't want to spoil it it's but, it's out there yeah. uh what's it called patrons and nebulons can listen to my interview with no- actual noam chomsky that i did earlier this week yeah <laughs> but yeah so that that also is a big help and then um yeah I think to to answer that sort of big question of like how do you know what to what to trust? I think that's a really tif- that's a tricky question. I think there you can look through this podcast and you you can see that we Tristan and I definitely have biases that that come out here and there and we don't ever claim to be unbiased in in the stuff that that we do on on here or anywhere else on the internet, but 
for me, it's I still get stuff wrong, even in my my own very heavily researched videos. And I don't know if there's any way to get something perfectly 100% accurate without dedicating so much time, years to something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that um, if you want to look into advice for how to do research, uh, good research fast, look at journalists and journalists very often go to sources. If you so so if you really want to answer something quickly, talk to people who know what they're talking about. Um, that is that is like the easiest way to to mm-hmm. sort of bypass the 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 digging in and such. But yeah, it's um and and yeah, also like the number one thing that I always talked about to walk away with is realizing that all sort every single source, everything that has been produced by a human has a uh, point of view. And yes, that doesn't necessarily make the source useless. It just means you have to be aware of what you are reading and what it is trying to yeah. accomplish. That is all. Yeah. Good first question. Yes. Um, let's follow it up with this one from an anonymous person who says, uh, not much of a question, but I can't believe you didn't make the joke of probes, not aliens on episode 69. That is. You didn't say probes, not aliens. Man, we had so many good things going on. Episode 69, Valentine's Day. Should we just, should we re-record the episode? Should we take <laughs> it down? Should we take down this whole podcast? Cause we failed at it. And we don't, we're not going to have another not meme aliens. episode until episode 420. So it's, it's going to be a true. while. It's going to be a really long time. Uh, this question comes from, boy, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Cartier. Cartier, yeah. Who asks, if you had proof and a definitive answer to whether extraterrestrials existed, would you tell the world? Assume that there wouldn't be some movement in the vein of climate denial, flat earth, etc. that would reject your answer. So uh, that's an interesting sort of amendment there at the end of like, assume that people believe you and trust you and take and I don't know, that's in that case, I would be like, well, then, yeah, what? Why not? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your read on it? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, if we are not alone in the universe, I feel like we definitely deserve to know. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting hypothetical because I feel like I'm one of the last people on Earth who will be the first person to find out. I feel like somebody <laughs> at NASA is going to be the first to find out. But probably uh, I do think and there's, you know, different levels of certainty. But if like, say, I got visited by E.T., like if I had an actual, you know, close encounter and I wasn't high or I wasn't using recovered memory or anything like that. And I was like, actually like, no, this actually happened. And I was like given a device or something like that. Then yeah, I would, my first, my first thing would be to tell everyone. I don't know if I would be believed, but I would definitely try to make the case for it. And I would do, especially if I had evidence. Yeah. I think that's, that's the harder thing is if you had a definitive, if you had proof and a definitive answer is what the question asks, it would have to be really, really, really solid proof for anyone to actually believe you, I feel, especially as we're living in an age where everything can be doctored from, you know, videos to, uh, you know, just AI generated photos and things like that. And it's it would be it would have to be so hard to to actually come up with something like n- I feel like now is the time where aliens could visit and people could take photos and everyone wouldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I in many ways I would quickly like if I like I'm kind of going to the example if I actually saw an alien firsthand mm-hmm. and they came to me. 
the first I would almost I would more likely disbelieve my own senses before I could mm. really believe that because I'm under the impression that given the vast amount of distances involved, that we're probably not going to physically ever come in contact with extraterrestrials and that the best that we can hope for is probably either uh, long distance communication or uh, machines like mm-hmm. the most the most likely uh, th- confirmation of extraterrestrial life in my mind is us coming in contact with something like a Van Neumann probe, which is a theoretical probe that you send to another solar system with instructions to uh, study the area, but then also to collect resources and make more Van Neumann probes and send them to other solar systems. Mm. And I feel like we're way more likely to see something like that than we are to actually have face to face. Yeah. Unless, unless like our concept of physics is very wrong. The, uh, the amount of the distances that would be required, required just are in the face of a universe that has entropy just sounds impossible like i i'm still on the idea that like i don't even know if we're going to be able to get to like alpha centauri uh with people because i feel like you uh, making a spaceship that could go for hundreds of thousands of years without yeah. something breaking sounds to me like uh hu- like impossible but things like probes and whatnot, that that I think is more likely. And if I had an alien probe, then I feel Pro- like... Probes not aliens. Yeah, if I had a probes not aliens, like if I had a Van Neumann probe that crashed in my backyard, I think the first thing that I would mm-hmm. do is to confirm that it's... Um, to confirm what it is, I would probably take it to someone who knows more about this than I do. Right. Well, and again, going back to, you know, just ask the experts. <laughs> I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I sort of feel a similar way where like I would I if I actually genuinely believed what I saw, then maybe. And and to answer like the to get around all of the, you know, what ifs and all the things like that, if I did have full definitive proof, would I tell people? I think so. I would be like, everyone, this is awesome. Also, give me some clout because I found this and I'm the first one. Everyone talk to me and look how cool I am. Give us a taste of of the nerd sync video where yeah. you tell the internet that you saw an alien, he is your friend and yeah. you want the world to know that aliens exist. So I would definitely start out on like an emotional shot of me, like maybe on the floor, like it and sort of emptiness around me sort of signifying that like I'm, I feel alone and in this big space. And then that would sort of be like the theme that carries through the video about, Oh, actually I'm not alone. Cause in, in this big world and aliens are here, but then it would also have a big question of like, but what does that mean? Like, does that mean that I, that existence isn't special? And like, what does that mean for, and, and then I go back to feeling alone again. Cause it's like, what is the point of life in this? So now this big space doesn't represent physical physical space like the universe but rather space in uh like a like the sort of emotional traumatic like what does it even mean to exist right now and you know and so that's sort of i think where i would go with it um and then at the end me and the alien would dab nice and there'd be a musical number so i don't know that's what i think would happen that's pretty good i think this is a good question from cyrus of all of the various not aliens you have covered or researched which ones are the least explainable I would say from like a technical standpoint, the first one that comes to my mind is the ball lightning, right? Because that hasn't been reproduced Mm -hmm. in a lab. Yeah. So if we're talking about 
you know, lights in the sky and, and things like that. And if the, if we're, if the explanation, if like the most reasonable explanation is ball lightning, that one is hard for me because it hasn't been reproduced in a lab. Does that yeah. Make sense? Ball lightning is an interesting because it's a phenomenon that has independently showed up in different places at different times. So it's not like, like we have just enough evidence to conclude that it's, it's, de- it's definitely not nothing, but mm-hmm. what it is, is uh, a complex answer and nobody has a really good one yet which is one of the and it could be like kind of like when we talked about um foo fighters it could be like a multitude of different explanations in different contexts that have been Mm -hmm. put under one umbrella erroneously and that could be the that could be the, the situation but if there was if I'm trying to think of like a thing. Okay. Of the various not aliens that I've covered and researched, which is the least explainable. Uh, there's, I'm trying to think, think of like, yeah, to, episodes to like, yeah, to like reword that question. I think it's like of all of the explanations we've given outside of aliens, if we're debunking the aliens and we're giving these other explanations, has there been one where the explanation has sort of felt like mm, maybe this could be it, but we're not entirely sure. Or I mean, the best one that comes to mind is Al the Space Potato. There's uh, the Space Potato. The, the jury's not a hundred percent settled that it's not a fossilized uh, microbacteria. It's not a great case at this point, but it's yeah. it's probably one of the better cases we have. Yeah, you know, I on a previous episode a couple months back, we asked people for if we should have a puppet mascot for the show, and I don't think anyone recommended Al the Space Potato, but like. Boy, what a good fit. Al should be our our cartoon sidekick. It's like a potato, a black potato with googly eyes on it. Yeah. Al the space potato. What I also think, and this one we haven't talked about yet because it's not really a thing that UFO people latched onto because while it could be a very good case, like the, the, it's not one that is um, dramatic or cool enough to be answered. And that is um, the wow signal. So mm. this one is now I don't, I think that there are like pretty reasonable terrestrial or even extraterrestrial, but not life explanations for it. But there is this very interesting signal that came from a radio telescope that's called the wow signal because when it got printed off, uh, somebody, the the woman who was working at the thing circled it and wrote wow. <laughs> and as I recall, to this date, they still don't have an explanation. There's a lot of very good theories as to what it could be, but they've never, they've pointed their telescopes at the same spot multiple times and haven't had the, the signal happen again. And mm. that is, um, that's interesting. It could, it could be that we that we stumbled upon some sort of extraterrestrial communication, but likely it was some sort of stellar phenomenon we don't understand. But you know, uh, nothing that hasn't been uh, yeah. nothing's been definitively proven. So I will tell you, it, in sort of a flip of this question, one of the more interesting not alien things to learn about was that was ghost ships because I just like the idea. I mean, I guess I don't like the idea, but it makes. It's it's interesting to think about how they just saw like an unmanned ship floating in the ocean or whatever and learning about things like, yeah, sometimes they just get undocked because of storms and things and they just float out to sea or like sometimes people abandon it for whatever reason. But I just like the idea of just like it's maybe it, it, it's not a ghost ship. It's just like a ship that got away. <laughs> um, and for, for some reason, that's just fun for me to to think about as like, oh, yeah, that one actually makes a little bit more sense. And it's kind of because you because you. 
Can you imagine seeing an unmanned ship? Like, if you're out in the ocean and you see an unmanned ship, you're just like, what is this thing? This is spooky. This is eerie. But it's also, could just be someone didn't tie a knot good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess also we couldn't get away with the, um, without talking about the UAP phenomenon, because um, while, you know, our recent emergency podcast episode has sort of um, shown that the UAP phenomenon can be a lot of things that... Uh, are very terrestrial in nature that are very interesting and concerning. But, you know, that, that, that if we're looking for like the least explainable ones. And those are, that's up there of like, you know, if I were to, if I were to put two objects or two subjects of episodes that had the highest percentage of it could actually be aliens, it would probably be Al and the UAPs. But even then, uh, yeah. we're looking at very small numbers for both. This episode is sponsored by NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens to get up to one extra year of your online security subscription for free as an exclusive gift. Now, do any of you remember the Disney Channel movie Can of Worms? No? Okay, well, uh, let's pretend that your name is Mike Pillsbury and you use your homemade satellite to send a distress signal from Earth to the vast openness of outer space. Sounds harmless enough and fun, actually, until a bunch of disgusting sleazy aliens show up to your house making everything worse. If Mike, aka you, want to protect your privacy and mask your location so aliens don't ruin your budding high school football career and your chances with that crush of yours to go to a dance, I don't remember the plot very much, you should use NordVPN, which is actually more than a VPN. They have a feature called Threat Protection, which shields you from malware, ads, and trackers as you surf the web. And just as you would hope, NordVPN itself does not track or share anything you do online. Your data is always protected by next-generation encryption, so all the future little Mike Pillsbury's will also be secure online as well. NordVPN has no shortage of great features to keep your online presence safe and secure. All you have to do is go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens and check it out. You can try it with no risk because Nord has a 30 day money back guarantee. So you can try it for yourself and decide. NordVPN is privacy focused. They have 24 seven customer support and they have apps for every major platform. I mean, they got it all folks. Once again, go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens, get yourself a two year plan and you'll get some additional months for free as an exclusive gift up to an entire year. You'll be supporting our show as well, and we'd really appreciate that. Link is in the show notes. Um, is there any question that you wanted to get to? I feel like I've been driving the ship, the ghost ship. I think this one would be fun. Uh, what's your favorite depiction of aliens in TV, movies, and video games? I feel like, did we answer that one already? Yeah, we've answered the question of like what inter- what fictional alien seems to be like the most believable or something like that, I think. We get this question a lot. We actually, so this comes from Tessa and we also have another similar one from Steven who says, what's your favorite fictional alien? I think we've answered like species before, but if, do you have a favorite specific alien? How about that? Who's your favorite specific fictional alien? Ooh, E.T.? Really? Why? I mean, because I, 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 we stand a rubber alien that then gets drunk and passes out. (laughs) I mean, that's true relatable it's relatable (laughs) relatable loves Reese's Pieces I love them too did you hear I tried to say Reese's Pieces in a way that both sides could think that I pronounced it the way that they wanted it to whether it's Reese's Pieces or Reese's Pieces I tried to do it 
I try it. We'll see how well that works out on the audio. But like, yeah, specific aliens. I mean, I love uh, Major Kira Norris from Star Trek Voyager. Okay. The thing is, like, I watch a lot of, like, shows where the aliens in the show are basically, like, the races in, like, Tolkien, where they're just humans that are slightly altered. And I don't know if they, like, I don't know if this counts as, like, they're just interesting characters, but they're basically just people. But I'm trying to think of, like, aliens that are, like, really alien. Uh, Alien. Because if we just go by aliens in general, like, I don't know, like, 60% of what I watch is Star Trek. No, that's not true. Yeah. But, like, a third of the shows I watch is just Star Trek and there's aliens all over the place. Yeah. Like Worf. There you go. My favorite alien is Worf. Worf is good. I don't even think we mentioned the aliens from Arrival last time we were talking about Spaceless, Arrival. That's a yes. F- fucking awesome alien species. Another actually uh, on that note, another one that makes my brain uh, blows my brain every time I think about it. And I need to read the book to get a little bit more of it is the aliens from Annihilation where they're Ooh. like chemically changing the planet with like all of this like weird trippy stuff. But like, yeah, if th- th- there is definitely like a vein in like some really interesting uh, extraterrestrial life in in things like Annihilation and things like Arrival. I forgot. Arrival was really good. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick a favorite alien, see, I was going to I was going to do Mass Effect again. I was going to say Garrus, Garrus Vicarian. He's definitely the most attractive alien. Yeah, he's hot. If I if I think he starts off as a cop, but I don't know if he gets fired or if he goes off on his own. It's been a while. I would hate it if a cab meant Garrus Vicarian. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mac from Mac and me. Uh, here's another question that is, do you know Mac and me? Do no. you know that reference? No. But you don't know the reference to Mac and me? I was trying to move on because I was embarrassed. Um, but no, it was just a joke. Mac and me is imagine E.T., but it's an, in, but the whole movie is a McDonald's commercial. Oh my God. So that is, that's Mac and me. It's an alien who loves fries and Coca-Cola. Relatable. And it's a, it's, was a movie made by McDonald's. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Look it up, everyone. There's good commentary videos about it. This is a tricky question, and I feel like we're we're nearing the end of the episode, or or maybe halfway. I don't know. This is a tricky question from Alex K from NJ. Thanks, Alex. If you could choose one ancient alien theory to be true, which would it be? Now that I feel like is a loaded question because a lot of the ancient astronaut theories we talk about are things that seemingly that that like either intentionally or unintentionally take away from cultures and ancient civilizations. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know if I would want, if I would want any of those to be true, but... On the flip side of that, though, is there is one that we talked about before where it like adds to the culture, right? The pyramid in the mountain. Oh, yeah. The one in uh, in uh, Bosnia, the Bosnia pyramid. Is that an alien thing or is that just a pseudo archaeology thing? It's more just a pseudo archaeology thing. Okay, fair enough. I'll still choose it because we talked about it on an episode. That was an interesting one that that was also made tricky because it's like you could debunk it. But then by debunking it. You're almost taking away from those people as well. So I'll say that one would be fun to be true. Why not? I would say that if I had to choose one that I thought would that I would like to be true, it might have to do. It might be the one that like like sort of like in the vein of the Cholula pyramid and the uh, the pyramid of Giza being like a big power plant. Because I would love if we lived in a world where we could have unlimited free energy through like ley lines or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) 
That would be cool. I would, that would be great if, like, you know, we could uh, make free power from that. If we could turn ley line energy into electricity. Imagine, like, mm-hmm. it's like Tony Stark, but he can only do his robot stuff when he's, like, on these very specific lines on the planet. And so he's just like, <laughs> all right, you have to fight me, but, like, come over here. Get over. Can you move a little bit more this way, please? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Easy question. I thought it was going to be trickier than that. But no, we found all the good answers and there's no other good answer Mm -hmm. to that question. Nailed it. Here's a big meta question. Kimberly asks, will there ever be video on YouTube or just audio? And similarly, Noah Schapp. Oh, I thought thought it was going to be Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things. They ask, you know, basically a very long question that says, you know, I'm trying to follow along with some of with the podcast, but sometimes you talk about visual things and it's hard to follow along with just audio when you're talking about visual things. You know, like we talked about medieval paintings that describe that seemingly depict aliens or if we just talk about places and we're just like, look at this cool place. Having visuals would help there. What are your this is a thing that you and I have never talked about. I don't think what are your our new staff meeting Um, i know this is us having a meeting in the middle uh so podcast so i know that to some people podcasts are a genre of youtube video like the idea of a podcast being an mp3 that you download to your phone feels like it's like a millennial thing while like that's like not necessarily the case today which is right like the definition of podcast has stretched in the years since i became familiar with the term so i always think of podcasts as a purely audio medium Apple doesn't even make iPods anymore. They're done with the iPods. Yeah, but then like, you know, lots of big podcasts have, uh, they basically film their podcast recordings and put those out. Is is that a thing that is in our future? I would say that if this podcast, not to like, you know, uh, both of us are extremely busy people and we have to be yeah. very careful with how we invest our time. If this podcast grew to the point where we could invest a lot more time into it, that would definitely be a thing to investigate as a possible way to expand the show. I would think that maybe uh, something with a mo- with more premium visual features could be something on the horizon. Like I do know that there is a way for podcast episodes like MP3s and stuff like that to change the art throughout the listening yes. process. And I don't so, exactly know how that works, but that is. So this is this is what I was going to add to it, too. I've, I'm right there with you with the video. I think audio is so much faster to work with than video for me as the person who edits the show uh having to just get the audio process that edit it so much quicker exporting it so much quicker than exporting video there's a lot of stuff like that where i don't want i i'm trying to make sure that this podcast only takes one day out of me a week you know what i mean uh and having a video component would be a little bit trickier but that being said right what you were saying about having the podcast artwork change for stuff that we're talking about i am looking into that because i do think that would be a really cool way of and that's an old old technology like people have been doing that for years and years I just don't really know how, but I think I found a way to do it. We'll see if that takes much more time out of the out of the thing. Hopefully it doesn't, but I think it would be cool. So if you're not familiar with this concept, basically it would be if you're listening to the podcast on your phone, then what you could do is every time we're, when we move on to a different subject or if we're saying, look at this thing, we will on our end, we can program to like change the artwork in that moment to be a picture of whatever it is we're talking about. And then you will be able to see that on your phone as we're talking about it. 
it for that episode, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And like I said, a very old technology. Yeah. And if I if if there if it was if if I found that it was worth the time to I would, uh, which it might be in the future to return to the video versions of the podcast that I've been putting out and adding the visual elements to it, mm-hmm. uh, that would be something to put in the quiver for a future project when I have some time. But uh, yeah, it's it would it would not be like a high urgency thing because at the moment it's basically all of our spare it's it's as much as we can and then some of our time to get the show as it is out so right um it would we would need like it's, it's it's basically all contingent on the show getting more popular to the point where it is uh the calculation is to invest more time into it which right i see that we potential in our future show. but it's uh yeah but it's just not right now we love this show and we love that people love it it's just not a thing that is it, this is not the thing that makes us the most money you and i so we have to focus on other things right now but if you keep sharing the show and you keep listening then it's great and it helps us out and we love that as well and hopefully we'll get to the point where we can afford you know to to pay maybe a a video editor to edit the podcast and and that'll fill the visual gaps and things like that i don't know let us know your thoughts but don't worry like we we do dream big like i have had uh dreams that one day the show will get popular enough that we could do like a live show yeah that that seems like it would be a really fun thing to do yeah and you know that like things like that are like we like uh we don't i don't want people to think that this is like some like little side project it is a thing we both care a lot about and it is uh i definitely want like i i dream for the moon and back for for the show because it's definitely a passion project oh here's a great question speaking about dreaming big this comes from an anonymous person who asks, hey, Scott, this is for me. Tristan, you can sit out. Uh, hey, Scott, would you cash out just a bit of your huge amount of it's probably not Bitcoin, which I definitely have, in order to pay for a city tour of Mexico DF with Tristan? What does DF mean? It's a uh, distro federal. It's um, like it's sort of like the DC in Washington, DC. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so Mexico basically we're saying is a city tour of Mexico City. Yeah. Would I this is a this is us dreaming big, right? Mm-hmm. Would I go? to Mexico with you, Tristan. With our big reserves of Bitcoin. For funsies? Absolutely. For research purposes for this podcast? Even more absolutely, because then it's a tax write-off. But I think this would be a fun thing to do. Imagine if we did a small series on this podcast on location somewhere. You know what I yep. mean? Like, imagine if we went to... Cholula. If we went to Mexico. If Yeah, if we went to Mexico, if we went to Egypt, if we went to wherever and did a whole series of episodes on location because we were making so much money from this podcast. That would be awesome. We're just buying so many... What do people buy on podcasts? Meal meal kits? Meal kits. Their aprons are so blue. Websites. Their hello is so fresh. They have so many mattresses. Subscriptions to Nebula maybe would be a good one mm-hmm. to support us. Yeah. And other things. Yeah, I've always had dreams of traveling uh, as part of content. Um, that would be that'd be that'd be wild and crazy, and I, I think that'd be really fun. Especially because uh, then you could, like, if we were doing it for research, we could uh, ahead of time make a lot of contacts and actually like reach out to people yeah. and have interviews with, as I was mentioning earlier in this episode, like real experts, like archaeologists who are working in the area and stuff like that, who could speak to these subjects and give you a lot more of like that real juicy history that I only, yes. uh, you know, get the thirty thousand foot look at, uh, which I think 
think would make for some really great content. I want to do it. Plus, Mexico City is just super, super fun. I want to do it so bad. And you've been to Mexico so many times. You've traveled the world so many times. And here I am, a person who barely left the United States. I went to Canada last year for a couple hours. So I got to go. I got to travel. Yeah. I'm 30. People have told me they hate it when we mention that we're in our 30s. Because there are older people who... We always say that dads love this podcast, right? And there are older dads who are like, can you stop mentioning that you're 30 and like making it seem like it's the end of the world? <laughs> I, 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 I fully understand. 30 is a perfect... It's a perfectly average like yeah. age. I, I, uh, I, I've never I'm felt... I'm right at my halfway point. <laughs> no, I hope that's not true. <laughs> I've never felt uncomfortable with uh, with being 30 at all. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, like, um, yeah, man, we should find a way to go to Mexico. That would all be right, awesome. now, now we're just going to go and plan a, a trip to uh, to Mexico um, to, have to find, a, all right. I don't know, I don't, Airbnb is evil. So we'll have to find like a different place to go, but we'll just, we'll, we'll backpack. <laughs> we'll find a different place every night. There's like hostels, I guess, in Mexico. I don't know. Anyway, if you want to see that happen, please keep listening to our show and share it around. This has been a really great episode. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions over on probsnotaliens.com. Uh, there's a little form there. I got to create some more forms. Get this organized. We're doing correction episodes. We're doing Q&A episodes. People just have general feedback. Since you and I are of are kind of avoiding Twitter as much as we can these days, it's harder and harder to for us to see the, the stuff that people are saying. But please continue sending stuff in. This was a ton of fun. And probs.aliens.com, by the way, is not just a place with the form. It also has links to everywhere you can listen to this podcast where... And that's where you can send people mm-hmm. to check the show out if you like this show. I think it's great. Tristan, where can people find you online if they want to hear more of your stuff that doesn't involve me? Well, sometimes it involves you. We've done a few cool collabs before. Yeah, we've done some stuff. Uh, but I have a YouTube channel called Step Back where I talk about history and its significance for understanding the present. If you're listening to this by the time this comes out, which is uh, I think this episode airs to the public on March 7th, I should have a video out about ancient apocalypse, uh, the long awaited response to ancient apocalypse, which uh, I feel like you guys will definitely get a kick out of. And also will be followed up next week on this podcast with uh, my look into Graham Hancock. So if you like this show, you'll definitely like my debunking of ancient apocalypse and the sort of people who believe in in Atlantis stuff. But Scott, if I wanted to, if I wanted to explore nerd culture through uh, creativity and vulnerability, where would I need to go for that? There's only one place on the entire internet where you can go for that, and that's my YouTube channel, NerdSync. N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. It's all one word, and that's me. That's my name. My name is NerdSync. And, Scott NerdSync. Uh, Scott NerdSync. And uh, yeah, the, I'm in the process of making videos again. It's been like a month since I made a video, but the last two videos I made are real bangers. So you can still watch those if you haven't already. I'm working on a bunch of stuff. You got a pass. You moved. Otherwise, that's, I mean, and then you and I are both on Mastodon. I got to add those links to the description. People have been yeah. asking about that. Tristan PEJ at dice.camp. Why am I on the TTRPG designer Mastodon? Good question. Great Moving question. On. 
I am on, I am Scott Nicewander at mas.to as like a general server, but I was thinking about setting up my own. So we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, I'm also on Instagram and other things like that. And so is Tristan. Well, we have links to all this stuff in the description. Hopefully I will add the Mastodon links. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And uh, until next time, I've been Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson and the truth is out there. Oh, it's a Q&A. Probably? Q, probably A, someday. Definitely.